Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, busy trying not to touch my face, which is not the easiest thing to do. It's pretty natural to touch your face, but I'm feeling an itchy nose right before I go on, and I just fought every instinct I had not to touch it. So, so far, so good, but boy, does my nose itch right now. Despite all that, we have a great show. Rob Louie is going to be up in just a minute, and then Pastor Lance Hahn is going to be joining me. He's written a couple great books. One is called How to Live in Fear, Mastering the Art of Freaking Out. And we're going to talk to him. And then hour two is going to be Dr. Michael Heiser, who's written a new book called Demons, What the Bible Really Says About the Powers of Darkness. That's the show today. I think it's going to be a great one. And I'm excited to talk to Rob. I always look forward to him on Tuesdays. So after a very brief 60-minute break, we'll be back with Rob. Over 250 times in Scripture, we're called to remember. And what should we call to mind? Well, here's how Jeremiah put it. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every day on Faith Radio, through the teaching of God's Word and the faith-filled conversations, we're reminded of who God is and His great love for us. In the midst of bad news, Faith Radio brings good news. And it's thanks to committed friends who give to support this growing media platform. To those of you who give, know that your investment truly makes a difference as more and more people tune in looking for hope and comfort in an unsettled season. Now, because Faith Radio is a listener-supported ministry, we rely on your generosity. And we'll have an opportunity to talk more about generosity in a time of scarcity, faith in the midst of fear, and bringing hope to a hurting world coming April 14th. Thank you for standing with us. All right, let's get things started on this beautiful Tuesday with Rob Louie, Executive Editor of The Daily Signal. Rob, as always, I look forward to our uh, time together. Thanks for joining the show today. It's great to be back, Bill. Thanks for having me again. You know, I'm curious, with you working at home, what does your day look like? I mean, are you monitoring news all day long? Is that kind of what you're doing? <laughs> well, every no day is unique, let me put it I that bet. way. <laughs> uh, you know, yesterday I was uh, on uh, a conference call with our, our president of the Heritage Foundation, Kay Coles James, and I uh, had the baby sitting in my lap. And, nice. Uh, you know, I was helping uh, my oldest son with some fractions earlier, <laughs> and uh, through it all, uh, you're, you're monitoring the news and taking calls and uh, making sure that we're staying on top of it. I mean, that's what the Daily Signal is, has tried to do. And, of course, you know, the day culminates usually at 5 p.m. with President Trump and his press conference where we get new developments and information every day. So we've been closely monitoring that. And I'll tell you, Bill, uh, as many media outlets have decided that they may not carry that anymore, that the president is getting uh, apparently such good ratings that they're having second thoughts about giving him that exposure, we've found that uh, the Daily Signal's online audience has tuned in on Facebook and other places because they really value having that that direct feed of the president to, to hear what the latest developments are. So every day is a little bit different, but uh, you better believe we're, we're trying to keep uh, keep ahead of the news here. Well, you know, the president organizes his task force, and they're behind him every day, and they're making reports. 
to me, it seems like it would be useful information that the country would be interested in. Am I way off base on that? Oh, I think that the country is uh, is highly interested in it. In fact, it was the New York Times that reported just last week that the president's uh, press conferences are getting, you know, somewhere between 8 million and 12 million viewers. Uh, that is uh, rivaling The Bachelor and Monday Night Football numbers. Wow. Uh, so that just goes to show that Americans uh, are are really tuning in. You know, I was talking to uh, to somebody who's interested in getting into the journalism business and has has uh, has you know currently working in government. And I think that you're seeing more and more interest in in not only the news profession right now, but also uh, on the consumer side, people who have rediscovered the value of of listening to to programs like Faith Radio going to the Daily Signal, um, tuning into podcasts, uh, maybe even checking out the nightly news. <laughs> you know, people still still uh, find value in that. And so uh, because I think we live at a time right now where information is really valuable. Mm-hmm. And so things are changing so rapidly. I mean, just yesterday here, of course, the uh, governors of Virginia and Maryland, mayor of D.C., all had stay-at-home orders. You know, so we're trying to figure out what that means for our family. Does it mean we can still go out and go to the grocery store? What does it mean for you know, walking around the neighborhood. And so uh, the news sources are really critical to being able to do that. And so we want to play our part, just as I'm sure you do uh, with your show, and uh, make sure you're having credible information and providing your listeners with everything they need to know. Did Florida, are they locking down until or closing down until June 10th, did I hear? Uh, well, well, Virginia is clo- is uh, June 10th. June 10th, uh, that okay. Is, uh, that is the that is the date that Governor Northam has set. Uh, it's it's unclear as to why he picked that date specifically because Maryland, which is of course right across the the border, um, there's a lot of uh, cross border traffic, of course, in the D.C. metro area. So uh, it's not unusual to have people living in Virginia, like myself, working in D.C. or or, or working in Maryland. Uh, you know, and so all all three jurisdictions uh, did something a little bit differently. Uh, the the districts said April 24th. Virginia said June 10th, and Maryland said indefinitely until the emergency order is lifted. I think it does create some confusion because the president, of course, himself had said April 30th uh, was the end of the social distancing, at least for now, that that could be extended. Uh, but I think for most people, the best advice that I've heard from doctors and others is is do your part and and stay at home. Uh, now that doesn't mean that you can't go out, leave your home, and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, doing those, getting exercise is actually really important right now. You shouldn't just be sitting in front of a screen all day. And so, uh, if you do that, though, uh, and I've noticed this in my own neighborhood, you know, just be mindful that you should maintain social distance from those you might pass on the street. Uh, don't engage in, in athletic activities that are, you know, um, like group activities, and and uh, those that are, are individual type of sports, uh, walking, running. Um, a governor of Virginia has even said golfing's okay. I don't know. I'm not planning to go golfing anytime soon <laughs> myself. But uh, but doing all those things, plus uh, washing your hands and having those good. I heard you talking about you know how the, the, resisting the urge to, to touch your face. Uh, I think is all something that we're 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 learning and growing accustomed to. Yeah, Rob, has there been any images or news information that have has seemed particularly confusing to you when you when you hear about social distancing and then they show you. The, the line queued up of people getting waiting for their tests, and they're just jammed together. And you go, well, that must represent the people that have symptoms, uh, and they're all jammed together. Is that a good idea? 
Yeah, I think same same thought has occurred to me as I, I've been getting up early on Saturdays and going to the grocery store um, when it's you know not super busy. I mean, it's, uh, it's it's less busy than it was during a normal weekend. Let's put it that way. But uh, but yeah, still, I mean, you're on a on a you know the, the cereal aisle, for instance, and you're naturally going to come within six feet of somebody. I mean, it's it's really impossible to right. to maintain that distance when you're in a confined space like that. I think the the lines for testing are another example. What I've noticed though is uh, in, in situations like that, for instance, when we're all lined up at the, at, to check out, I mean, people do maintain you know some distance. And uh, and I've even noticed that if people uh, are crossing, you know, are maybe on the same side of the sidewalk, I mean, people will step onto the street and uh, and let you pass by, uh, particularly us because we have a stroller, <laughs> so right. they have that courtesy. Uh, so yeah, I think that it can be confusing uh, at times, and of course, even in the White House press briefing room, you know, there are people who are obviously close closer than six feet. So we, we all can do our part, and, and we just have to remember that social distancing is, is one of the best ways uh, to prevent that. So I realize in some circumstances it might not be ideal, but, uh, but wherever you can maintain it, uh, certainly do so. Yeah, I always recommend listeners head over to dailysignal.com to see some of these great stories that Rob is talking about. One I, th- I found interesting about what a bigger government have prevented coronavirus. Well, and, and certainly uh, it's probably going to come as no surprise to your listeners <laughs> to, to hear from a conservative who right. believes in, in small government that, uh, that certainly uh, we, we, we think that bigger government does, uh, you know, perpetuate problems and, and does not necessarily make things work better. And so uh, in this case, uh, you've heard a lot of uh, uh, people on the left, including Senator Sanders, talk about uh, Medicare for all and why, you know, a more robust federal government would have been better. Well, uh, you know, this is one case where I think actually you're seeing a lot of the innovation in healthcare coming from the private sector. If you look at the companies that are stepping up to make the respirators um, and uh, to produce uh, masks and and personal protective equipment and other things like that, it's not the government uh, that's doing it. In fact, it's a lot of uh, companies. President Trump has had to invoke the Defense Protection Act to get GM to do, do some things that he didn't feel like were moving as quickly, but he's even talked about how just the threat of using the Defense Protection Act uh, has gotten people to, uh, to, to to spur to action and, and take take action. So, um, yeah, you know, there's always going to be those who point fingers and say, oh, it's, you know, the government is, uh, is the answer, and, uh, you know, I just don't think that that's necessarily the case. Yeah. Rob Blue is my guest. I'm going to take a little break when we come back. Lots more with the executive editor of The Daily Signal. I always encourage you to go to dailysignal.com, dailysignal.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Rob Bluey is my guest. He's the executive editor of the Daily Signal. And Rob, I've, I've been finding myself doing lots of praying throughout the day uh, for all the people on the front line, the, the healthcare workers, the doctors, the nurses, and all the people that are in um, these indispensable kinds of positions to help people. And what can we do? I know one of your colleagues, Amy Anderson, wrote a great uh, article in the Daily Signal about uh, things that we can do to help uh, health workers fight this battle. Well, that's uh, that's certainly 
important. Bill, before I get to Amy's article, though, I, I do think that it's really important uh, for for your listeners to know that Faith Radio is doing an important role right now. I mean, I think it does every other day of the year, but I think during an, during a time of crisis when people are looking uh, for that that uh, that uplifting message mm-hmm. that, that you bring, and uh, and that's so important. So uh, turning to faith in a time of crisis is, is is critical. So I appreciate you sharing your prayers, uh, and and certainly we're doing the same uh, here in the in the Bluey household, and I think many people are as well. Um, you know, so uh, health workers are on the front lines, as as you say. I mean, they are the people who are are fighting this and are going to help us get through it. Uh, you've heard some harrowing stories already. Of, of individuals, and uh, I think one of the things that um, you know we need to be uh, certainly cognizant of is that uh, their step when they step in to to help a, a patient who's suffering from this, they need to be protected themselves. And so there's a there's a shortage of uh, of hospital equipment, and uh, to the extent that maybe you know companies have extra masks, N95 masks, or other equipment that they can donate. Stepping up to the to the plate and, and doing that is uh, is really critical right now. Um, there's other things though as well. So you ha- you have the uh, moral support that they they need. Um, so if you are are married or, or have a uh, healthcare worker in your family, make sure that you're taking that extra time and attention. This can be a draining experience for them. I know a lot of them are working extra hours. Uh, extra long hours uh, to meet the need and demand uh, in some places right now. This is all why it's so important for us to flatten the curve. Uh, if we ha- are inundated all at the same time with cases, it's much more difficult for these healthcare workers to to grapple with, as opposed to flattening it. And uh, and you know maybe even the same number of people end up being uh, infected with COVID-19, but at least it wouldn't be happening all at the same same time. And you know I I think that. Um, there are some other things that would just make it make it easy. Donating blood at this time, you know, there's there's you know those calls out there to to go to the Red Cross and to to step up if you're if you're willing to do that. Um, making sure that uh, the, the governors are doing everything that they can uh, to to put in place uh, measures to support those healthcare workers. You saw that great image yesterday uh, of the uh, USS Comfort making its way to New York City, which is going to have a thousand beds. To, uh, for non-coronavirus cases, um, and that's going to be, of course, a, a savior for those individuals who need that care. Uh, we have a, a dear friend right now who's in the hospital uh, waiting to give birth. I mean, I, 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 having, you know, a six-month-old at home, I can't even imagine what it would be like in a hospital right now. But, uh, you know, just, just praying for all those people who, who are not even suffering from coronavirus but still need the, the medical care uh, and attention uh, in hospitals and other facilities. That is pretty scary. Um, so there's been what? A, how many tests uh, have been done so far in the U.S.? Do you know how many coronavirus tests? I believe tests? the president has said we are over a million tests. Okay. Um, and so the United States is is clearly leading the way on this. Of course, that means we have. We're also, um, you know, in, in terms of. Uh, number of positive tests. Uh, the more tests you do, you, by its very nature, you would expect to get positive tests. I still think that the that the the positive rate is about ten percent, um, and uh, and our and the death rate in the United States is is lower than other countries like Italy and Spain. But of course, every every death is one death too many. So. Um, you know, I think that it, we think that testing is going to be critical, particularly as we talk about how how we move beyond the social distancing and actually get 
get back to work and, uh, and, and return, resume some of our normal lives. There's two types of tests, as I understand it, Bill. There's the test to determine if you're positive, and then there's a new test that they're trying to develop, which would tell you if you are immune from it. So wow. in some cases, you, have, uh, you may be asymptomatic. Remember Rand Paul, the U.S. Senator yes. from Kentucky, said he was asymptomatic. Well, uh, you know, he tested positive for coronavirus. Well, now it would be, it would be great to know if he is immune from, uh, from getting COVID-19 in the future. And I don't think we're quite there yet with that test, but I think that that is going to be the one that really helps us make a decision on whether or not we can, uh, we can reopen this country back up again. I even saw a doctor on the news the other night, Rob, say that people whose blood type is O positive are less likely to get the virus, which I've never been um, happier than my blood type is O positive. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't it amazing that the, the new facts and information we're, 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 we're learning every day? I mean, it is, it is truly remarkable, the investments that uh, the scientists are making and, and the fact that everybody's coming together and, 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 and fighting uh, for, for you know, this, this common foe is, uh, is tremendous. I think that uh, one of the frustrating things that we continue to, to see is you have foreign regimes like China and Iran uh, continuing to place blame on the United States and pointing fingers. Uh, there's now questions about whether China is being uh, fully um, – uh, accurate with some of the data that it's sharing and, and the number of casualties in that country. So I, I do think that we would probably be in a better position had China told us up front uh, back in December and not waited three weeks. Uh, but we can't go back, and we can only uh, hope to, to, to fight this the best that we can now. It is, it is very frustrating, though, Rob. I heard that if even had they, if they would have told us a week earlier, it would have made a 67% uh, difference uh, Yeah, and it's one so week. true because one week because you know the decisions about you know closing down international travel mm-hmm. and, and preventing some of those individuals and what happened was it seemed that a lot of uh, a lot of people were traveling to Europe and then then Americans who were traveling to Europe I mean maybe you know. <laughs> There was there were there were all sorts of different ways that it was coming back into to our country and and I think the one other distinction is Bill we live in a we live in a society that values freedom uh, tremendously freedom to move around and 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 do anything that we want and so this has been difficult for us to engage in social distancing and I think one of the reasons that our country is is perhaps uh, you know seeing the explosion of cases that we are is that uh, in a in a dictatorship uh, in a communist society like China. They will literally lock you in place, and uh, you know there will be severe repercussions. And we just haven't been willing to to do that. Now, some of the governors are saying they're going to start fine and put fining and putting people in jail. I don't know if that'll actually. I know that there was a you know mega church in Florida a pastor that uh, still had services that they're they're you know looking for, but. Uh, I don't know, Bill. I think it's one of those things where it's just a fundamentally different culture that we live in uh, compared to to a communist China. Mm -hmm. Now, as the government gets ready to massively distribute the funds from this uh, $2.2 trillion uh, bill, uh, do you think uh, that will be uh, a smooth transaction into the banks of Americans? I... Anytime the government hands on it, has hands on it, I'm not sure it's going yeah. to be smooth. Uh, but what I think they're trying to do is to make it uh, go as effectively as possible. Of course, w- tomorrow is a significant day because it's the first of the month and it's when mortgages mm-hmm. are due and rent is due and Americans won't have this money yet because Treasury is still working on getting the checks distributed. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, it, it can't, for many Americans, it can't come fast enough. Those have been, who have been furloughed or laid off. 
but at the same time, uh, there, you know, I, I think we've seen churches step up. We've seen uh, family and friends step up. Uh, of course, you can file for unemployment. And, uh, and there are other means uh, to, to do this, and hopefully there are, you know, forgiveness, uh, you know, from, from credit card companies and others. So uh, the checks are coming, um, and, uh, and that'll happen, happen soon. Uh, you know, I, I, Bill, I think that one of the things that we're a little bit worried about is there's already a rush in Washington to move to stage four, even before we have stage three fully wow. phased in here. Yeah. And uh, if we keep throwing too much uh, at the problem, we won't we'll lose sight of, of, of it being targeted and temporary to, to those, uh, those needs. At the end of the day, I think it's most important for employers to stay, uh, those employees to stay tethered to their employer. And so if we can provide the support we need to those employers, they won't have to engage in those layoffs and furloughs. Mm-hmm. So, Rob, with a, thir- a possible third of Americans unemployed, do you, uh, I don't know how many businesses will be shuttered permanently and how many people can return to their job because the job may not exist. Well, this is something that we're going to be studying closely at, at the Heritage Foundation, and, and certainly your listeners will be able to find more on, on the Daily Signal soon. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of unanswered questions. You know, when and how can we return to work, and when can those businesses reopen? Uh, you know, seeing some of the big name brands like Macy's, uh, for yeah. instance, furloughing um, you know most of its workforce, uh, that's that's startling. And and this is a obviously Macy's has a has a robust online presence, and it's not that people. Uh, you know, still can't engage in commerce. I think that they're just changing their their behavior. I mean, I know that, you know, for even with us, I mean, we, we would normally go out to eat a few times a week, and on the weekends, you know, we're staying home. And so maybe the grocery store is getting a little bit more uh, money because of the food we're buying. But you know, we're not we're not engaging in that because I think we're trying to do our part and and limit our trips outside the house. So, Bill, uh, it's going to be difficult for some businesses to bounce back. But our hope is that with, uh, with, with you know if we can if we can do so in a responsible way and, and get back here in the summer, uh, maybe it'll be not as, as devastating. But the thing we have to keep in mind is the doctors are not warning that this could come back in the fall. So we have to be prepared, and what we have to do is make sure that we have the therapeutics and the other drugs ready to go. The hospitals are well-stocked um, if it does make a second, second resurgence. Uh, Rob, I remember eating three meals a day at home. I think it was called growing up. And and look, I I think it's finding that right balance. We have a, a pizza truck that comes to our neighborhood every nice. Friday, and we've been trying to support them because they obviously have livelihoods too. Uh, but you know, uh, there are there are people out there who I think are, are doing their part, and, uh, and and there are others who have just decided that it's it's better to close their doors uh, because you know they they just don't have an established um, takeout business, for instance, and it's it's hard for them to maintain that payroll. So I certainly feel for them, and that's why I think it's, it's really incumbent on us to try to get a hold of this as quickly as possible, doing our part with social distancing, and then, and then hopefully um, we, can, we can see the peak and uh, start to move in the other direction. Yeah, Rob, I don't know how you keep your family so incredibly quiet while you're doing this interview, but way to go. Taking a nap, and the the two boys are, are working on their homework. So you know, I'll, I'll I'll go back and check in on them after this yeah. bill. But I appreciate uh, you having me on every week. This yeah. is great to have an update. See how they're coming on their fractions. That's right. All right. <laughs> Rob Blue has been my guest, executive editor of the Daily Signal. We're gonna take a little break, and we'll be right back with uh, Lance Hahn.
little ukulele makes you happy, doesn't it? Kind of a happy sound. Speaking of happy, Lance Hahn is my guest, and I brought him on because he'll make me happy. You know, you always kind of look for people who are going to be comforting in times of stress and and, and anxiety and uncertainty, and Lance is uh, one of my go-to people. He's the senior pastor of Bridgeway Christian Church in Rockland, California, and he loves God's Word deeply, and he's written a couple of books that I know you'll find fascinating um, just because the titles alone definitely uh, get your attention. Um, and How to Live in Fear, Mastering the Art of Freaking Out, and the Master's Mind, the Art of Reshaping Your Thoughts, something that I think we could both get a big dose of today. Lance, welcome back. Bill Arnold, you are one of my favorite people to talk yeah, to. Yeah, I'll knock it off, but I love it. Yeah, you comforted me, so I thought I'll bring Lance on, because a lot of people are kind of living in fear, and they have some anxiety. We, we need some thought reshaping. Oh, man. I, you know what? I have had to live out what I've been preaching, right? No, kidding. Because this is, this is my least favorite time, right? You got me <laughs> having, having panic. I got panic disorder on top of hypochondria, oh, man. What yeah. the world? Oh, yeah. You're just you're a beautiful mess. <laughs> That's right. Well, <laughs> you know what? I have some encouragements for everyone today, and so I'm super thankful to be on your show. Good. Well, um, you know, in times of uncertainty and in times of anxiety, I I have to say it's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, easy for people to get there quickly. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, all fear comes from a lack of control and uh, feeling trapped that you don't have a lot of options, which is a lack of control mm-hmm. and. Really, that's what we're all facing, whether that has to do with financial uncertainty or whether it has to do with health or it has to do with whatever. I think that lack of control is kind of triggering all of us. Uh, but, man, I, I've got to remind everybody and i got to remind myself. Remember, if I'm ever talking to you, I'm preaching to myself too, right? right? I get we're it. all in this boat together, yeah? Um, it's not like I'm the expert. I'm just as screwed up as everybody else, right? <laughs> but I would – I would tell you this. Here's the deal. This didn't catch God off guard. You understand that if anything is going to happen in the king's territory, right, this world, he created it. And as much as we human beings gave over an awful lot of authority to the enemy, the reality is the owner has always been the same. And anything that happens in his world has to get his sign off. So we just need to understand viruses are not shocking for him. They're not scary for him. Financial uncertainty is not something he is unaccustomed to, that he's actually really good at these things, and he knows exactly how to navigate his family through that. That's beautifully stated, Lance. I'm serious. You know, we're all in this journey together. We've heard that many, many times. So how do we share our fear? Because we want to be these bold Christians that aren't afraid of anything. And yet, if you are afraid of some things, how do you go about sharing that without looking like a weak Christian? Yeah. Um, So first of all, I think that we need to re-rack the idea of being Christians that don't have any fear to being courageous Christians. I like that. See, you you can't have courage without fear. And so, for example, when you think about the Apostle Paul talking in the New Testament, he is consistently asking for them to back him up in prayer. Well, the reason for that is he's nervous about something. 
And, and Christians are allowed to be worried or fearful or scared at times, but then what do we do with it? So I would hope that most of us can at least acknowledge our concerns, then bring them to other people and bring them to God. That's where we're going to find some solutions. Mm-hmm. Now, Lance, I know you've been on the program several times before. I just would love for our listeners to get a little refresher course on your on your life history. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I have been struggling with what's considered panic disorder. Now, generalized anxiety disorder is the most common form of mental illness, uh, at least diagnosed in the United States. There's over 40 million of us. Um, However, that drops down into subgroups, and my subgroup is that I have what's called panic disorder. I have panic attacks, um, and nobody knows why these things are caused, whether or not it is something in my genetics or whether or not it is something that was triggered from uh, childhood issues. Nobody knows, but I've been kind of dealing with it in a significant way since I was six years old. Now, I am 48 and I still take medicine every day uh, for the last 20 some odd years because I'm trying to be a good steward of my body. My uh, chemical levels are not able to be righted with normal adjustments like everyone else. So you mostly, uh, when you get a bunch of information like we're going through right now, you're processing it you know, pretty well, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome if it if that was the case. But here's the funny thing. So like when most people process information, you have what I would, you know, I'm just making this word up, but it's almost like you have a limiter or a gate where certain things would go, oh, that's concerning, and then it hits a ceiling. My ceiling is way too high. Okay. So things kind of skyrocket and raise up for me, and I can't seem to quite bring them down. So I've had to do a lot of refocusing of my mind and my heart. I've had to do a lot of discipline. I've had to do a lot of engagement of meditating on God's Word and making sure that I know how to control my mind from going wherever it wants to go. I've had to do extra work where other people it comes natural to you or your body allows you to do it. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about our minds a little bit because you always, I think, would say that's the the greatest battle to overcome is, is your own mind. Um, and right now there's people uh, obviously living with more anxiety than ever before, and maybe some are drifting into just feeling insecure or, or depressed or isolated or maybe even just a little confused at what's going on. Yeah, um, I do have some, for sure, some encouragements there because I think that we do have a lot of temptation to be concerned, right? Um, and once again, fear is not bad. Worry is not good. Now, worry is where you have allowed it to slip outside of its normal parameters. So let me give you an example. Um, The story of probably the best one is the story of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And there's a big, huge storm. Jesus is asleep in the front of the boat, and it's going to capsize, at least in their opinion. It says that the waves were coming over the edge and there was a problem, but Jesus was asleep. Now, that should tell you something right there, which is he's not worried about what we're worried about. Yeah. However, (laughs) when they are freaking out, now you have to understand, they are fishermen. They've been doing this their whole lives. They've been through storms. 
This is not new to them. So this must have been a pretty nasty storm for them to be that afraid. But the way they reacted to it was they said, don't you care if we drown? And they wake him up and they start trying to rebuke the Lord for their circumstances. Boy, does that sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Right? God, don't you care about us? This virus is getting out of control. Don't you care about the concerns of my family? Don't you care about our finances? And we start yelling at the Lord and think he's uninterested. He's not uninterested. He's just unafraid. That's a big difference. So he's sleeping. They wake him up. They yell at him. And then he rebukes them. But here's what's crazy. Check this out. He rebukes them before the storm is over. He did not calm it down and then just have a a quiet discussion. He said, oh, you have little faith. In other words, now we all look at that and we go, man, that sounds mean that Jesus, they were all afraid and Jesus gets mad at them. No, that is incorrect. What he rebuked them for is he said, guys, you're not looking at the bigger picture. You're not looking at your full scenario. You're looking at one side of it. You're looking at your circumstances. You're not looking at your resources. I'm right here. If I'm here, that actually changed your circumstances. So what you're worried about is if I wasn't here, but I am here. And if I am here, it's a different scenario. So guys, you're not looking at it rightly. You're beginning to fear something that isn't even true. You are not abandoned. I'm with you. So you need to mellow out. Uh, Lance, that's just so beautifully communicated. I just love that. You know, I've never understood that Jesus is asleep in the, on the boat, you know, underneath. And I'm thinking, when is the last time you were able to take a nap on a tilt-a-whirl? <laughs> exactly. Well, you've got some skills. Well, I mean, you know, you're, have you been asleep on a plane and you hit turbulence and you instantly wake up? You go, what was that? But imagine rough seas. Right. How do you know how you sleep through that? Well, and here's something that's really powerful that, and I'm not at this place yet, right? Because I'm still growing up. But he came down here to set an example for us on how a fulfilled human being ought to live. He was not digging into his God bag, right? So, in other words, when Jesus was fully God, fully man, he set aside the God part, almost like he put on a blindfold put on handcuffs, right, and said, I'm only going to do what the Holy Spirit empowers me to do. I'm only going to do what the Father tells me to do. So I'm just going to act like everyone else. So the fact that he, as a fully human person, allowed the peace of the Father and the presence of the Holy Spirit to be so powerful in his life that he could sleep in the midst of a storm is something that really gives me hope. Yeah, no kidding. All right, I love this proverb. I think it's 23, 7, that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Lance, talk about how important it is to have your thinking be clear and good. Yeah, that's that's the huge issue. So two things. Number one, uh, you know, it talks about rules on getting out of a hole. Number one, stop digging, right? So <laughs> I think... Good point. I think that we need to be able to, to say... Uh, First of all, um, we got to limit our inputs, okay? So first of all, we have to make it stop getting worse. And, and what that means is, is that for some of us, we are feeding our minds with anxiety-inducing information. So yes. here's what I had to do, and I'm going to do – and I'll talk about how practical it was for me. When I would turn on my computer 
every time I wanted to go online, it would open up the Yahoo front page because it was just a natural default setting on whatever my browser was. Okay. I had to change that because before I could divert my eyes from the headlines, I already saw them. And I had to change my default browser to Google, which was merely a white page with a search bar. Because by the time my eyes are always looking for what to worry about, so they will scan very quickly and try to find out, oh, this is happening in New York. Oh, this is happening in L.A. Oh, this is happening oh, in Italy. And I'm carrying burdens that are not mine to carry. Me knowing the death rate of Italy in a day is not going to build my spirit because I can't help at this place where I'm at. I have to focus on where I'm at. I'm in California. That is a hot spot. But I'm in Northern California, kind of a hot spot because of the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. But I'm not in the Bay Area. And I needed to get my head back in the game of going, but what about your particular situation, Lance? Quit worrying about everyone else's situation. God gave them resources for their situation. He gave you resources for your situation. If I'm borrowing worry from everybody else, I don't have the resources to deal with that. So I honestly had to keep blocking that out. Yeah. So Lance, your your browser could have opened and in seconds, your mind is off to the races because you got a glimpse of a headline or two and your mind's already down a road that you think... Now I'm in, now I'm going to be thinking about this. Exactly, yeah. and that was that was the concern. So uh, I'm just saying that for those of us that are a little bit more on the worry side, a little bit more dealing with fear, we have to be good stewards of that. Which means that we can't do what everybody else can do. Maybe everybody else can scan through and read the headlines, and it's no big deal. I can't. Maybe we need to be wise about that. I had to pick and choose and say, I'm only going to take my news from reputable sources, I'm only, which was the county, uh, CDC, WHO. I was only going to go to the places that weren't trying to sensationalize because most news sources are trying to get your attention and they're hyping. Well, I don't need hype right now. My, my life is not in a calm place where I need something to interest me. I actually need something that's calming and realistic. So I had to make some adjustments. Yeah. All right, Lance, I'm going to take a little break. Uh, Lance Hahn is my guest, senior pastor of Bridgeway Christian Church in Rockland, California. I love his books. I love I love him. The Master's Mind, The Art of Reshaping Your Mind. We're going to talk about that some more when we come back. Welcome back to the show. Lance Hahn is so talented, it's probably him playing the sax right there, too, for all I know. We're back talking about his book, The Master's Mind, The Art of Reshaping Your Thoughts. Lance, you know, I, I know God wants us to be, Jesus died to set us free. There's no doubt that he wants us to n- not get bogged down in uh, traps that our minds create these these bad news scenarios and we live there. That's just not, I think, what he wants for us. But how do we get away from that habit of kind of gravitating towards the dark or gravitating towards the the bad news stories? Yeah, what a brilliant question. So uh, it's all under this premise 
The premise is, is that our minds do not get to go wherever they want to go. Good point. See, for, for many of us, we believe that that's an autonomic response, that that's just automatic, that, well, that's just what I'm thinking about. I think the Bible teaches very differently. For example, many of us are familiar with passages that say things like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It, it, we Don't lust. These are actually all mindsets. And what God is saying is he gives us a command, don't let your mind go there. He would never give us a command if he didn't empower us to be able to do it. So we should have an encouragement that our, we are supposed to master our minds and send them to the master of all things, right? That's the idea of the mastermind book that I did. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's the concept. The concept is that Matthew 6, Jesus talks about being anxious. Now, what he really means is worry. Don't worry. Anxiety and worry are two different things. Worry is inappropriate. So what he says is don't worry, and then he says why. He said, how many of you by worrying can add a single year to your life or a single day, right? This, this whole idea. And what his whole point was is that I would let you worry if it was practically helpful. <laughs> it's not. The worrying is not bringing about a better case. Worrying doesn't help. It's not changing the scenario. It's not good for your body. It's not good for your mind. So that's why God says we need to harness, like a wild horse, our minds. It's something you can get better at over time. It's why we hear things like Philippians 4, 8, right? We all know that that passage, right? Whatever things are good and noble Mm -hmm. and true and right. He said, think on these things. The point is, we do have God to change minds and refocus. So, for example, with me, a type of person who has my mind kind of go ballistic on me all the time, I had to learn how to react to thoughts. I had to learn how to rechannel thoughts, and I had to make sure to calm down thoughts. So, like, for example, I, I know I've talked with you on the program before. I have a rule for me that says I can't make any big decisions after 8 p.m. And what I mean by that is that night times are my hardest, and I start worrying and going through what-if scenarios. Mm-hmm. I have to say I am not in my right mind in the evenings, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I'm not going to make any big determinations. If when I feel strong and clear in the morning, it's still a good reaction I should have, great. But I can't trust my mind to do the right thing all the time. I have to discipline it and bring it in line. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing about the power of rest in there somewhere. And that that acronym, the HALT acronym, which is hungry, angry, lonely, tired, is when you get yourself in trouble. Um, talk about how important rest is and, and maybe, um, you know, a little bit of exercise, too, and keeping a sense of humor. Yeah, okay. So these are so important. You just ticked off like the best ones, and here's why. <laughs> so for me— And I get credit for them. Uh, Amen. Yeah, even Amen. though you wrote it. Uh, I, I will tell you this. I'll tell you that I, I have a very unusual mind. One of the reasons why I struggle so much is that I have a mind that never stops. I have a very, very active imagination, and it's one of the reasons why I've been successful 
in my life and in ministry, but it has a shadow side to it, right? Mm -hmm. And that shadow side is I can't, it kind of goes off wherever it wants. But here's what's fascinating about my personality. And it always makes my wife either laugh or get irritated, not sure which. <laughs> and it's this, I when I'm feeling good, I have a bizarre sense that I can do anything. Yeah. I, it does, like I'm so overconfident in what I can do. That's so funny. When, when I'm exhausted or I don't feel good, I'm the polar opposite. I suddenly feel like I can't do anything. Exhaustion really, really wears on me, and it really messes with my head. Mm. When I don't feel enough energy or strength to navigate my world, I start to freak out. So for me, I have to monitor my sleeping really well. I'm normally a night owl. I would love the idea of staying up super late, and I can only do that a couple days a week, but I have to compensate. Because he doesn't do great with that. The other thing you mentioned was exercise. I, I just want to be practical here. Best reason to exercise if you're anxious, you get too tired out to care. That's the <laughs> bottom line. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't need to get super fancy here. The bottom line is you have a lot of nervous energy, especially those of us that are in quarantine or shelter in place. Mm -hmm. We're cooped up in our house, and so our feet are like tapping all the time. We have that nervous energy. If we're not exercising, all that nervous energy has to go somewhere, and so it's going to go up into our heads if we don't get it out in a normal way. And, and so you were talking about you know, whether it's sleep or it's exercise, or there's a bunch of ways that we can help our bodies be stronger and our minds be sharper and healthier in this time. Yeah. All right, Lance, just a couple minutes left. Uh, talking about fears, do you think most of them are real or imaginary? Ah, unfortunately, they're imaginary. Okay. Um, are there real fears in the world? Yes. Of course. Is it okay to react off them? Yes. Are there things to be concerned about? Sure. But the, such the vast majority of what we worry about never comes into play. We're running worst-case scenarios. We're running all these things, and we're wasting so much energy and heart and time on things that are not even real or practical. We are fighting shadow demons. We're fighting shadow dragons. We're fighting all these things, and God says, you know what, my child? If it was really an issue, I'd give you a sword for it, but it's not even really there. So, my child, I got this one relax. It sounds like you've given yourself that pep talk before. <laughs> About a million times. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, certainly a, um, a time in history that uh, no one has ever experienced before. And we're literally all on the same page with how we are uh, processing information. I mean, we're processing it differently, but we're all having to face the same information and the people that have a, a tendency towards anxiety and fear and anxiety, um, you've just been the, the perfect uh, the perfect guest to have on, Lance. Oh, I sure appreciate that, Bill. You know, it's always been my heart's dream that I wouldn't just suffer and then for nothing. Hopefully, anything that I've struggled through and the Lord has blessed me with, that I could share it with everybody else. Yeah, and the how to live in fear, uh, mastering the art of freaking out. That does talk about your story. And it does involve you being a, a man that has, like you've said earlier in the show, 
uh, been on medication for many, many years. Um, but, but there's also lots of practical tips and tools in there for those who don't need medicine, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. It actually has three pieces. The first piece of the book is my story. Second piece is practical helps. Third piece is where's God in all this. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, Lance, I so appreciate you coming on, and thank you. I, are you uh, doing the the uh, the sermon from church with no one in it? <laughs> yes, I am, as a matter of fact. And we are up all four services every weekend. Man, if anybody needs to be encouraged or blessed, check it out, Bridgeway Christian Church. BridgewayChristianChurch.com or .org or... Uh, yeah, so you can just actually, bridgeway.church is the easiest way. Bridgeway.church is our website. All right, I know where I'm going. Lance, thanks so much for doing the show. Have a wonderful day, my friend. Thanks a lot. Lance Hahn has been my guest. How to Live in Fear, Mastering the Art of Freaking Out is one of his books, and also The Master's Mind, The Art of Reshaping Your Thoughts. We'll take a little break. We'll be back with Hour 2, Full Hour with Dr. Michael Heiser. Get your questions ready. Send them in at any time, 877-933-933. 2484. He's got a brand new book out called Demons, What the Bible Really Says About the Powers of Darkness. If you have questions about demons, you're going to be, um, you're going to want to get the questions in right now. 877-933-2484. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.